Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Tuesday, May 14th. As always, we are presented by D's Home Cuts. I'm your host, Travis Karcheski. Just me today. Um, I know we said last week that we weren't going to be doing many more single episodes, but uh, we had to get the show out a little bit early today because Tuesday is a little bit of a hectic schedule. So it's just me today. Uh, Truman's slacking off somewhere. Uh, he really doesn't bring the work ethic that I bring each and every single week. So, you know, we're just going to go ahead and do it without him, which I think the show might be a little bit better without him sometimes. But here we go. We're going to bring you another great show today. We're going to start with some NBA playoffs. Got some football stories to talk about. Then we got a little bit of baseball to finish off the show today. Um, But, yeah, here we go. NBA playoffs. We got to start with the Warriors versus Rockets series. Warriors ended up finishing up that series on Friday. Did not need a Game 7, and they ended up winning 4-2 in that series. Fourth time in the past couple years that the Rockets have lost to the Warriors in the playoffs. And it's sort of beginning to become a little bit sad if you were a Rockets fan. It feels like the Bills a couple years ago in the Super Bowl where they lost four straight. The Rockets just cannot get over the Warriors hump right now. And I'm not sure where they go from here. Getting rid of Melo didn't help it. And it's just been, you know the same the last couple of years they just can't get over that hump you know they, they thought they had a little bit of a um a window without you know demarcus cousins and without kevin durant but still steph curry was able to finish it off and get them the win uh kevin durant watched it he didn't travel to the game i know i said that he might be back in this series but uh, he's going to be reevaluated this week and they're going to decide if he is going to play in the next series which i, I believe he should But anyways, uh, DeMarcus Cousins should be back in the Western Conference Finals is what the report stated that came out about an hour ago. We're recording this actually on Monday, May 13th at about 3 o'clock. So um, any news stories that happen or any reports that happen between now and the time you listen to it, we're going to miss that. But we'll cover it on Thursday's show just for a little bit of a warning. So the Rockets vs. Warriors... Steph Curry looked pretty bad in the beginning, but he was able to bounce back in the fourth quarter. Had an amazing fourth quarter. Klay Thompson helped out with 27 points on Friday, and the Warriors just look like the Warriors. Like I said on Thursday's show, uh, it's the Warriors. You know, it's just because they lose Kevin Durant doesn't mean they're that much worse. Some would even argue that they're better without Kevin Durant. That's not me, because how would you be better without the best player on the planet right now, Kevin Durant? So. That's it for that. The Rockets, we're going to put them on the shelf for another year. Maybe we'll talk about them again next year. Uh, when the ta- when the question starts to come up, will the Rockets be able to get over the Warriors this year? And the question always has the same answer, no. Um, but next series, we'll go to the Game 7s. We had a fantastic weekend. Two Game 7s on Sunday. What a way to start your week on Sunday. And we started it with the Blazers versus Nuggets game. The Blazers won an absolute fun game uh, that didn't sound right and they won an absolute battle on sunday that that sounds a little bit better uh cj mccollum picked up right where damian lillard was lacking damian lillard i think he only scored about 17 points or something like that but cj mccollum came back and showed us why they are one of the best backcourts in the nba putting together a 37 point effort to give them the win and i didn't realize that you know uh canter was actually he's fasting right now he's uh, due to his religion, he's supposed to be fasting right now during the day. Uh, he can eat and drink at night, but he's not allowed to eat or drink during the day. So he played that entire game 
without any sort of food or he didn't take one sip of water during that game. Um, I guess in the morning though, before the sun came up, they got him, you know, fed, they've gotten the proper proteins and stuff like that. Um, and hydrated nice and, uh, well, but during the game, he did not eat a single thing. He didn't drink a single thing. And he played that entire game basically on an empty stomach, which if you can kind of remember, Akeem Olajuwon used to do it uh, in the 90s with the Rockets. So I guess Cantor reached out to Olajuwon and asked him, you know, any tips, stuff like that. And it hasn't been a problem up to this point yet because every single game that's been played uh, has been at night. But they the Sunday game, they moved it up. So it was actually during the daytime. Uh, so that actually was a problem, which, I mean, that's pretty tough. You're playing an entire NBA basketball game without food or without water. Um and I know he ate in the morning and they got, you know, it's obviously one of the best, you know, nutritionists in the league, you know, an NBA nutritionist. I'm sure they hooked him up pretty well. But still not being able to take a sip of water during the entire game has got to be tough. And uh, Cantor did it. So shout out to him. That was pretty cool. Now, as far as the Nuggets go, where do they go from here? Um, it won't be the end of the Nuggets. They are going to be back next year. They have a young team. Uh, Jokic is starting to come out, I think, as a superstar. I think people are starting to realize how good of a player he actually is. Um, Jamal Murray is still an emerging point guard, one of the best in the NBA uh, in the next couple of years here. And they have Michael Porter, who they drafted last year, who is supposedly one of the top talents uh, in the NBA, you know, young in the NBA draft class last year, but if you remember, he had some health concerns, so he actually sat out this year, but during high school when he was being recruited, he was the number one recruit in the country, and uh, the Nuggets were able to pick him, I believe, pretty, a lot lower in the draft than what people projected him to go, because he's just, he sat out the year, but he got the whole year of rest, and he'll be back next year, and it's going to be interesting, because they're basically going to have, you know, another first round draft pick and Michael Porter is a great talent and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him play next year but this won't be the end of the Nuggets the Nuggets are going to be right back where they were I think next year I think they'll be competing for that number one number two seed and they'll be right where they're at now and they'll be still fighting for the playoffs and another year of experience under their belt I mean this was the first time they've been to the playoffs in a while so a couple uh Another year of experience, playoff experience, is just going to help them. And uh, an offseason where they can grow, where they're going to get Michael Porter back, another rookie. And it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch the Nuggets play over the next couple of years. So make sure you tune into them and watch them because they're not done. But as far as the Trailblazers go, they're now going to be playing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, a lot of people are wondering if they'll actually even win a game, which I think they will. I think they'll at least win one. I think the Warriors will win this in five, possibly six, if something crazy happens. If Kevin Durant doesn't get back as quickly as we thought, maybe it could be six. Um, you know, that's just because I think that backcourt in Portland is one of the best backcourts in the NBA. I think Steph Curry and Klay Thompson is probably the only one above that. Um, and then James Harden and Chris Paul. So it's, it's a top three backcourt in the NBA, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. And I think we're sort of seeing that now. I mean, C.J. McCollum's a superstar. He's underrated, and he's probably one of the best players um, in the Western Conference. I don't want to say NBA, but he's right up there. I mean, he's, a, he's an all-star caliber player, and you've just seen, you know, he's been – kind of under the radar his entire life. Uh, he, he's from Ohio. He went to school by Canton, where uh, it's not too far away from me. And then he went to Lehigh University, only player from Lehigh to reach the NBA, I believe. And now he's doing amazing things there. 
And you saw LeBron's tweet where he was making fun of the analysts for saying that, uh, you know, mid-range jumpers just aren't worth what they used to be. And CJ McCollum scored most of his baskets on mid-range shots. Uh, But I guess I learned today that mid-range shots in that situation are the best opportunity. And they were giving him mid-range all day. I mean, you saw the Nuggets down the stretch there. They were trying to shoot threes, um, but they just weren't falling. I think towards the end there, they missed like 18 of the last three-pointers they shot at the end of that game there. They missed 18 straight three-pointers. And it just wasn't pretty. And C.J. McCollum, I mean, they were giving him that mid-range shot, and he was just knocking it down over and over and over again. Because the best shot in the NBA, the most valuable one, might be the three-pointer. But at the end of the day, the best shot is um, uh, the open shot, you know, the shot that you, you know you can make. And C.J. McCollum was absolutely dominating uh, in that series. So it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, uh, Trailblazers stack up with the Warriors. But I truly believe the Warriors are the way better team. I believe they're going to be the NBA champions again. And it's going to take one of the biggest upsets in NBA history for the Trailblazers to actually win this series. But they could. They could shock us. Who knows? Um, but I'm glad we get to watch the, the uh, Trailblazers for another series because they've been pretty fun. And I think because of playing against you know the Nuggets and how late of the games are, we haven't seen you know a lot from them, and we haven't seen you know a lot from this series. Just pure NBA fans have been watching this, but because it's so late. But now we'll be able to see a little bit more of the the trailblazers and they're actually a really really fun team to watch so that's going to be a lot of fun uh so make sure you tune into that but again i think the warriors will end up winning this in five or six games then we have quite possibly the best game from over the weekend the best game in the playoffs the 76ers versus the raptors game seven another game seven and it did not disappoint Kawhi leonard the cold-blooded assassin Kawhi leonard hit that last second shot for them to win on Sunday, the quadruple doink shot, it just bounced everywhere. It could bounce off of the rim, and they ended up winning that game in Toronto. Great atmosphere. The crowd was on fire, and Kawhi Leonard, for the first time in a long time, actually showed some emotion. And that right there, that shows people, that just shows everybody why sports are so awesome Kawhi Leonard he gets he gets hated on a lot because he's a quiet sort of awkward awkwardly you know socially awkward guy um and he's just one of the best players in the NBA top three easily in my mind and he has just been dominating these playoffs and it was perfect it was a perfect way to end that series by him wrapping that series up with a last second buzzer beater shot that just doinked off of every single part of the rim it hit every single part that it could and it was just an absolute stunner and that's why sports are the most amazing thing in the world today brett brown um this is probably i expect to be his last game coaching the 76ers um reports were that if they didn't win game seven he was going to be fired i'm not sure if that's still the case, but um, I expect it to be. He made a lot of pretty questionable decisions down the line there in the playoffs, and not only in the playoffs, but Game 7 that they ended up losing. Uh, You know, Joel Embiid, my heart goes out to him. You know, it shows us, it's kind of like there's this picture at the end there. It shows us just how high sports can bring people up and just how low sports can bring you down. And that's what Game 7s do to you. They really show you in one moment in one game 
just how emotional sports can be and just how high they can take you and how low they can bring you down. And that's why I think Game 7s are so fun to watch, so much fun to watch. And uh, that's why that game on Sunday was the best game of the playoffs. I mean, not only was that shot amazing, but just the emotions after. I mean, Joel Embiid was absolutely bawling after the game. And then Kawhi Leonard, who's normally a quiet and reserved guy, was running around the court, pumping his fist, screaming and yelling. I mean, that's just that's sports right there. So I just want to get into that a little bit. Um, but so far, I mean, the Kawhi Leonard trade has worked out really, really well for the uh, Raptors. And it's been um, sort of a fleece right now. I mean, they got DeMar DeRozan and the Spurs, but I mean, he didn't do that much for him. And then Kawhi Leonard's just been an absolute wagon for the Raptors. And he's the only reason why they're there right now. And as far as it goes next series with the Bucks and the Easter Conference Finals, I think it matches up well. I think you know Giannis is really hard, is obviously really tough to guard, but so is Kawhi Leonard. So seeing those two guys go against each other back and forth, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be you know an interesting, interesting series to watch. So make sure you tune in for that. Um, next, we have some NBA coaching news. We got to talk about not only is Brent Brown probably done in Philadelphia, but we had two head coaching hires go down over the weekend and on Monday. Uh, we'll start with the biggest one, which is Frank Vogel was hired by the Lakers. On, uh, I believe, Saturday night, he was hired by the Lakers. Um, and if you don't know the whole story behind that, LeBron wanted Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue was their top guy um, after Monty Williams got hired by the Suns. And basically, Ty Lue wanted, didn't want to have Jason Kidd on his staff. He did not want Jason Kidd as his assistant. But uh, Frank Vogel said he would have Jason Kidd as his assistant. And, you know, after pressuring and pressuring, Ty Lue decided he was going to take his name out of the running. And the Lakers went with probably their third best option in Frank Vogel. Head coach of the Pacers a couple years ago, you know Frank Vogel. He's been around uh, the block a few times. He's coached some big moments. Um, this is kind of like... It's not really a safe hire. It's kind of just like a boring hire for the Lakers. And I'm not really sure what this is going to result in, if this is going to take them to the top or not. I don't believe it's the it's the hiring that's going to push them over. I just believe he'll be another one of LeBron's, you know, coaches that just lets him push him around and, you know, next thing you know, LeBron's basically running the team. Uh, you know, the Lakers, they had that protest on Saturday, which, I mean, Friday there was big rumblings about a huge protest going on. And at the end of the day, when it actually happened on Saturday, it was just like a handful of just teenage Laker fans who've watched basketball for, you know, four or five years and don't really know what they're talking about, trying to get the owner fired, which I don't really believe the owner can fire herself or will fire herself. Um, so yeah, that protest really did nothing. Nothing really came out of it. Um, but, you know, it's cool, I guess, seeing people um, try to fight for their team like that, and it just shows how fed up the Lakers are. But you really can't – a protest can't be successful if you really don't have an end goal in mind. And it seemed like the Lakers' protest didn't really have an end goal in mind. They were just kind of screaming and yelling at things. Uh, but then the next coaching news, if Frank Vogel was one of the most surprising – I mean one of the sh most shocking – the most surprising was the news that came down Monday. Uh, John Beeline, the Michigan head basketball coach, was hired by the Cleveland Cavaliers. A five-year deal, an absolute shock, went through the sports world when we heard this on a Monday morning. I mean, to drop a bomb like that, a Woj bomb like that, on a Monday morning is unprecedented. And it was 
a great way to wake you up on Monday and start the weekend. I mean, that came through at like 8 a.m. this morning that he was going to be hired by the Cavs. And I absolutely love this hiring for the Cavs. Not only has Beeline done amazing, I'm saying his name wrong, I know I am, um, done amazing things for that Michigan basketball program over the years, um, and that's going to bring a lot of new fans to the Cavs, bring back the old uh, front-running Cavs fans back to the um, Back to the Cavs and back to the queue. Um, John Beeline is is a X and O's guy. He's a pretty good strategic coach, and he's going to be able to coach up a lot of these young players that the Cavs have. They don't have big personalities, so he's going to do a good job of coaching up, you know, Sexton, whoever they draft draft this year, and a couple other of the younger guys that they have, which they they need. And not only does it help bring Cavs fans back, it also excites Cavs fans because most Cavs fans are Ohio State basketball fans. And Michigan basketball is really the only thing that Michigan's been able to talk crap about the last couple of years. And the only reason why Michigan basketball has been really good the last couple of years is because of their head coach. And now that the Cavs stole him from Michigan, uh, they're going to need to find a new head coach. And there's a big possibility that Michigan's basketball could start to go back downhill. And Ohio State basketball is on the rise right now. We have a good coach in uh, Chris Holtman. And now that Michigan lost his he- their head coach, they're going to start to fall, and Ohio State's going to surpass them pretty quickly. And that just makes Ohio State fans smile. So watch out for that. Michigan basketball is done. Good hiring for the Cavs. Um, like I said, John Beeline has taken Michigan basketball way ahead of where their talent level is. He's produced a lot of great players over the years, and he's done a great job at recruiting. And now that he is going to be with the Cavs, uh, it's just a nice hiring. He's the second oldest coach now in the NBA, 66 years old. I think Popovich is the oldest. Um, and he's going to bring some fresh blood into the NBA. Uh, I'm sorry if you can hear it. There's talking going on out there. We don't really have a soundproof studio. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of talking going on out there. But, again, second oldest coach in the NBA, and he is uh, going to bring a little bit of fresh blood. I know it's funny to say fresh blood around an 88-year-old, but instead of going and just recycling Frank Vogel or Monty Williams or you know some of these guys, you go and you get – you know, a guy who's never done it before in the NBA, and you roll the dice on him. And maybe, you know, he does a great job and he builds what he built at Michigan and Cleveland. And, you know, maybe he filters out. I think a five-year contract was a little bit too extravagant, a little bit too long, but it was a good deal. And uh, I think he's a good coach. I think he's going to do a good job for the uh, Cavs. So, John Beeline to the Cavs, five-year deal. Let's move on now to football. But before that, D's Home Cuts is now officially open for the summer. It's been open, but he kicked it off last week. It is now officially, the shop is officially open. So you can go in any time now to get a fresh haircut for only $7. D's Home Cuts will provide you with the best haircut around Northeast Ohio. And he'll style it up for you so you have yourself looking your best. D's Home Cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. Go check out his Instagram at D's Home Cuts. Videos are being posted daily on his story showing you the kind of work that he has been doing, the kind of fantastic, amazing, detailed work that he has been doing the past couple of days. Go check him out at D's Home Cuts. Send him a DM, and trust me, you will not be disappointed. You set up an appointment directly there. Go into the shop. You kick your feet up. You relax. Listen to some great music. Have a great conversation about sports, whatever, and 
get a fresh cut along the way. So go ahead and check him out, these home cuts, uh, and get yourself looking your best. So football, that's where we're going to go next. Um, we got to start with Doug Baldwin. I think I said that he was released the other day by the Seahawks. He has officially uh, put in his paperwork for retirement, so he is now officially retired. Eight years in the NFL, retiring due to some health concerns and surgery um, that he's been having on his groin, his knees, a couple other things that he's been dealing with. So he's officially hanging up the cleats, and you know that's pretty. That's kind of sad. Uh, you know, I love I love Doug Baldwin. I mean, he went from you know an undrafted player to a two-time Pro Bowler and a Super Bowl champion, which is very very difficult to do. And he did it, and he was one of the most um, I think underrated receivers over the last couple of years. He was just absolutely consistent. Big hole now for the Seahawks to fill with Doug Baldwin. So, you know, a great career. A kind of a shock that he retired this early, but, you know, I wish him the best in whatever he decides to do. Um, staying with the Seahawks, they actually signed Geno Smith to a one-year deal today. Uh, he was with the Chargers last, if you sort of remember. He went from the drafted in the second round, 39th overall by the Jets. Played four years there, was sort of a bust. Um, although, I mean, can you really, I mean, count? Second round picks as busts. I don't. I mean, Geno Smith had a lot of hype surrounding him, um, so I guess you could count him as a bust. Um, I mean, the Jets have really swung and missed on a couple second rounders the last couple years. Geno Smith, Christian Hackenberg. Um, anyway, so he was with the Jets for four years, where he got punched in the face, if you remember. Then he went to the Giants, where he played one year, and if you remember, that's when the whole benching Eli Manning came down and he started a couple games there did not look good and he was moved then to the Chargers where he was the backup last year didn't see any playing time got cut because um, uh, Chargers brought in Tyrod Taylor and then now he is signing with the Seahawks so Hundley was the backup there last year I presume now Geno Smith is going to be the backup uh, I think this might be his last chance in the NFL I mean, it's a one-year contract. You know, how much do you expect Geno Smith to do? It's just a backup job. You hope he never has to play. Uh, and I just think this is the last chance for Geno Smith to really make an impact uh, and stick on a roster. Um, obviously, the Chargers weren't happy with him last year, uh, so they decided to get rid of him. I'm not really sure why, but we'll see what happens with Geno Smith. I think this is, might be his last chance, um, but we'll see what happens. He signs with the Seahawks, though, one-year deal. Speaking of, um, I don't really have a good uh, transition to this, so Telvin Smith, he has decided to take the year off, the 2019 season off. He is going to be stepping away from football for, uh, I guess, it's not all mental health reasons. I guess he's just dealing with some injuries, but I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, he just needs to clear his mind, he said, basically, in a big, long Instagram post. Uh, he stated that he needed to clear his mind. So he is going to be stepping away from football. Uh, he signed a four-year extension, I think, in 2017. So he is under contract for the next couple of years. 2018 Pro Bowler started all 16 games for the uh, Jaguars last year. And he was a huge reason as to why the Jaguars defense is so fierce. This is kind of... Now listen, I understand... If you want to take the year off, I get that. If you just need time to clear your head and everything. I mean, football is as much mental as it is physical on your body as in terms of, of a toll it takes. 
And if you feel like you need to step away, that's 100% your right and your decision, uh, if, especially if the team grants it to you. Um, but if you're going to do that, I mean, I think it's kind of more of a common courtesy to let the team know before free agency or before the draft so they can fill that hole kind of you know naturally. The Jaguars, I'm not sure what kind of uh, backup plan they have for him. I mean, Telvin Smith was an anchor on that defense. And he stepped up when uh, Paul Puzlowski or whatever stepped away. Um, and he was that middle linebacker, that captain on that field. And now that he's gone, I mean, they have a lot of good, solid, personable players to fill that role. But they don't have a good middle linebacker. And uh, I think it would have been a better decision if you would have told them, like, hey, guys, I'm thinking of stepping away. You might want to draft a young linebacker. You might want to sign somebody for a year just to give us that depth. Uh, they signed Jake Ryan, who was with the Packers, but I mean, he's coming off an ACL injury, so I'm not really sure what's going on here with Telvin Smith. I'm not sure why he decided to step away. He's well within his right to. It's his decision. It's his, you know, um, right as a player. You know, he's under contract, whatever. Um, but I think it would have been, you know, a little bit of a common courtesy to go ahead and tell them, hey guys, I think I'm going to step away and finish and finish this and not do this year. Um, and so you guys can draft somebody. But it, 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 whatever he wants to do, though, it's his decision. And anyways, um, you know, we hope he gets whatever help he needs. But then another thing, like, you never know. You know, he steps away for a year. Maybe he realizes, you know, his life's better without football. Maybe he's happier, so he stays away forever. And now the Jaguars, you know, are sort of screwed there because he was such a good player for them. But it's his decision. It's his right to do what he wants to do. I support the player's decision. Um, but I would have maybe told the Jaguars a little bit earlier than what he did if I was in his position. But you never know. You know, he could have been thinking it over and, you know, maybe something happened over the offseason and he just needs a break. Whatever. It's his choice. So let's get into our segments that we did last year. Um, if you remember, we did our 2018 uh, season review for the teams over the offseason. Now this is going to be the 2019 off-season review. We're going to go team by team. We're going to start in the NFC West with the Cardinals. Um, that's the first team we're going to do. If you remember, we did this last year. I think we had to end up doing um, two teams a day. We're going to try to do two team, one team a show, so sort of you know slow it down, not do it as fast. That's why we started kind of early. Um, so basically what this is, is we're going to go through just the offseason for each team. And we're going to sort of grade it, not really grade it as in, you know, talk about each individual move and talk about different things that happened over the offseason and just get, you know, a prediction for their record next year. Um, so we're going to start with the Cardinals. We're going to go division by division. We'll, we'll go next show. Um, let's see, Cardinals, um, probably the 49ers next uh, week we'll do them. Uh, but we're going to start with the Cardinals. New coach, obviously. Last year they ended the season 3-13 and uh, with one of those wins, sadly, coming against the Green Bay Packers. 3-13, um, and 13, they fired their coach, Steve Wilkes, after one season. So they left a hole um, in this offseason, and they decided to fill that hole with young, up-and-coming head coach, offensive-minded uh, guy by the name of Cliff Kingsbury, a guy who was at uh, Texas Tech last year got fired from Texas Tech due to poor performance and was actually signed up to be the offensive coordinator at USC when the Cardinals came a coming. And the Cardinals decided to make him their head coach, which was kind of a shock to everybody. You know, Cliff Kingsbury is a young, 
offensive-minded head coach. He fits that Sean McVay uh, mold. And a lot of people were shocked that they decided to go ahead and hire Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and he's going to change this offense up pretty severely. And he did that coming into the building. Clips started to appear of Cliff Kingsbury talking about how much he loves Kyler Murray. And he said if he had the number one pick, he would take Kyler Murray. Um, and that was all great because they did have the number one pick. And he could actually get his guy. The only problem was there was a guy there by the name of Josh Rosen who started all most of the games last year, three and thirteen. But that was with you know a head coach getting fired and an offensive coordinator getting fired mid-season and being replaced by a guy by the name of Byron Leftwich who's never called plays before. Um, and they also had one of the worst offensive lines in football, which you can also throw into that mix. But anyways. The rumor started to appear that the Cardinals needed were going to take Kyler Murray number one overall, and they were going to get rid of Josh Rosen, their former first-round pick, who they picked last year and traded up to get. But surrounded by that mystery and that uh, those rumors all offseason, the Cardinals actually had a pretty strong free agency period. They signed a couple veterans like Terrell Suggs, uh, Jordan Hicks, two linebackers. They're going to sure up that defense. They signed Charles Clay, which is a great get at tight end, um, another weapon for their young quarterback. They got Kevin White. They signed him from the Bears, a former first-round pick, top 15 pick, who has slowly been trying to get back to that first-round pick form. All the potential in the world, he just needs to put it together. They also signed Robert Alford from the Falcons, sorry about that, another corner to put opposite Patrick Peterson, one of the best corners in the game, Patrick Peterson. Um, they also decided to fix that absolute <coughs> sorry, sh uh, shit show of an offensive line, and they signed some veterans uh, like J.R. Sweezy from the Seahawks, and they traded for Marcus Gilbert from the Steelers. So they sort of shored up that guard and tackle position, um, and then... All in all, I think the biggest get for them over the offseason was Larry Fitzgerald, who decided to come back for another season. Supposedly this will be his last season, but whoever knows. With him, this is turning into a sort of a Brett Favre situation, but I certainly do not believe the Cardinals care because Larry Fitzgerald is one of the best receivers of all time, and to get him back for your young quarterbacks is going to help them out a lot. So that was their additions. They only lost about three notable guys. They lost Phil Dawson and a kicker. Uh, they let him go to free agency. They also let Trey Boston go to free agency. Um, both of those guys are still available on the open market. So they are going to be using, using a new kicker this year, which, as you've seen with a team like Chicago, doing a new kicker and moving on from your old stable veteran can be dangerous. It can be a risk, but they are going through it right now. Um, and Trey Boston, who was a pretty good safety last year, he's still available. So I'm not. That's kind of a shock to me. But anyways, they also lost Dion Buchanan, who was a first round pick a couple years ago, and uh, a safety linebacker hybrid. He signed on with Tampa Bay. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they fill that hole. So there's definitely some holes on defense and offense, but. As the offseason progressed and we reached the draft, they did what I think everybody expected them to do, but it was still a shock. They took Kyler Murray number one overall, the quarterback, the Heisman winner out of Oklahoma, um, the former baseball player who decided to let go of his top 10 draft status in baseball and decided to, just decided to risk it and play football. Number one overall pick, Kyler Murray now. So when you draft Kyler Murray, you got to 
get rid of the guy you had before because obviously you're not going to take somebody number one overall and sit him. So they decided to get rid of Josh Rosen. They traded him to the Dolphins. They used that pick that they got back to draft Andy Isabel, the talented wide receiver um, from Liberty University. I'm not 100% sure where he went. The talented, though, um, small wide receiver, speedster Andy Isabel. Uh, He led the college football FBS in receiving yards last year. They also took Akeem Butler. So two good, solid wide receiver weapons to put around Kyler Murray as your rookie quarterback. And you just add to, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson still coming out of the backfield. Um, and, you know, Charles Clay, Kevin White. They got some good, solid weapons, some a lot of high potential weapons. And not only did they add those guys, but they also added two uh, good defensive weapons in Byron Murphy and Deontay Thompson. They also added Zach Allen um, from Boston College, I believe. He's going to help them out a lot, those three guys. Byron Murphy was a you know first-round talent. And same with Deontay Thompson. Uh, going into the uh, the draft, he could have been a first-round pick, Deontay, Tom- Deontay Thompson. But he had a pretty bad game versus um, Clemson, and he sort of fell down draft boards. And they were able to snag him later on in the draft. Uh, but the Cardinals, this is an interesting team. This is an interesting season. They had a good offseason, I believe. I would rate their offseason in the B to the A range. Uh, Kyler Murray is going to sell tickets early on, and I think this defense is going to come together with a, with a mix of veterans and young guys. And same with that wide receiver core. Um, so they finished last season 3-13. and 13. I believe they'll win two more games, and I think they'll go 5-11. and 11. So a little bit better, but I just think this is a rebuilding process, and it's just going to take a little bit for them to get everything together. So 5-11 and 11 is what I'm going to um, guess that they're going to end up as, but they could be a little bit better. They could be a little worse. But that's the Arizona Cardinals offseason in review. We're going to do those every single show, so make sure you tune in for that. We're going to move now on to baseball, though. Not much going on in terms of baseball and like exciting uh, pop out at you storylines, but we did have Albert Pujols the other day. Um, his 2000th RBI, um, which is crazy. I mean, that's 2000 RBIs uh, is an insane feat to hit. Pujols, I know Brian Leonard uh, is pretty adamant on how bad Pujols is right now, um, but he's just collecting records, and you know you can't you know hate on a guy for that, but. Um, I guess the biggest thing out of that was, I guess, the fan that caught the 2,000 RBI was a home run. Um, he decided to keep it. And I guess, like, the Tigers staff it was at Detroit that he hit it. The Tigers staff asked him if they could have the ball to give it to Pujols. And I guess the Tiger fan sort of uh, denied it, and he said he wants to keep it. And uh, people were asking Pujols, you know, would you pay him for it or whatever? Do you care? And I guess Pujols was like, you know, no, I'm not going to pay him for it. I don't really care that he has it. This game is for the fans and he should be allowed to keep it. Um, so that brought up the debate, you know, should the fan give it to him? And if it was me, yeah, I'd probably give it to him. Like, yeah, it's history and it's cool. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, that's a pretty big milestone in your career. And I would have given it to Albert Pujols. And I'm sure he would have given you something like a sign, whatever. And like, at the end of the day, you know, you still have the story that you caught it. You know, you don't have to have the ball to prove it. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, foul balls and stuff, home run balls and stuff like that, yeah, I mean, they're yours and you can keep it if you catch it. Um, I guess that's that's baseball's big thing. But still, it's like, I don't know, I would just have given it to him. And I'm sure he would have given you, like, a signed baseball in return, which 
would have been really cool. And uh, like the guy said, he wasn't even trying to sell it. He just wanted to keep it to show his kid. And like, I don't know, you have the video. Like you can look up the video and you can see yourself catching it. You can talk about it. And I'm sure he'll give you like a signed baseball in return and stuff. But at the end of the day, who cares? I mean, you know, Albert Pujols didn't seem to care that much. And Albert Pujols, you know, he has a million of those, you know, record-breaking balls and milestone baseballs and stuff like that. So I'm sure it's not that big of a loss to him, but uh, I would have just given it to him. I mean, who really cares? Um, I don't I mean, a baseball is cool. Catching a foul ball and all that is cool. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I think it means more to Albert Pujols than it does to you. So you should have just given it back. But if Albert Pujols doesn't care, I mean, this really isn't something that should be looked at that closely. But... That's what we report on in TNT Sports Talk because that was what was in the storylines and the headlines. But that's it for our show today. We want to thank you to our sponsor, D's Home Cuts. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star rating, write a review, and subscribe. Um, follow us also on Twitter, TNT Sports Talk 12. That's 12 as in Aaron Rodgers. Um, shout out to his cameo on Game of Thrones last night, Aaron Rodgers. And... Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Send us a DM. Uh, you can send us uh, questions, comments, concerns. If you want to be a guest on the show, if you have ideas for the show, if you have connections for a guest, let us know, and we will certainly check it out, and we will certainly respond to you. We'll respond to you whatever you say because um, we respond, respond pretty quickly on that. But other than that, we thank you for listening. I'm sorry that it's in a single show again, and it will probably be, be a single show on Thursday. we got to get our schedules down a little bit more. Um, Truman was just a little lazy today, so that's why he wasn't on today. And, uh, you know, we're struggling to get him to work with us here, but, uh, we'll get him in the, in the studio consistently here once, you know, summer starts to hit that groove and that stride. But as far as things go on my end, we are back up and running. Uh, I started my new job last week, but we're getting into the swing of things there. So, uh, we are back up and we are full force right now looking for more professional athlete interviews and just getting ready for a big summer ahead of us. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that and tune in on Thursday where we will give you a full breakdown of everything that happens on Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning. So check us out, guys, on Thursday. Thanks, guys.